Welcome back into the great Scott show, the great sports callers open think tank. Joining me now as promised, one of my favorite guests that we have on here from time to time, had him on monthly during the season. And now that football season is over, and for some of you listening, uh, maybe a mild depression has sunk in, but here to try to at least cure you for a little bit is Nick Underhill, who covers the Saints at NewOrleans.Football, does it all uh, on his own with his own website. He is an insider, an analyst, and uh, for my money, which I give to subscribe to the website, I think he's the best when it comes to breaking things down particularly in this instance, Nick, and thanks for taking the time this morning. This, uh, I'll still call it a daunting offseason. I mean, you've done a good job of laying out kind of the cap and what the Saints have to do, but I still think this is a daunting offseason for the Saints. Is that, a, is that a fair word to use, or do you feel like I'm maybe overstating it? I, I mean, I think it's daunting for everybody because everybody's kind of built their team with the idea that the cap's going to raise 15% every single year going forward and you know I think the Saints one of the things they do and I would say that they do it better than most other teams is that they find a way to use all of their resources and and they aren't they aren't saving space they're finding ways to create space and you know in in some ways you know prior to this season and again it, it took a global pandemic for their approach to the cap to kind of catch up to them you know I know a lot of people that that study the cap talk about the cap you know they kind of act like this is the uh, chickens coming home to roost, but no, like this isn't something that happened under normal circumstances. They would have continued to be fine and they would have been able to continue to push money forward and really not pay a cost as long as they want to. And, you know, I think one of the things that they've done really well over the years is that they've kind of realized that they can take an amount of money now and basically get an interest-free loan at a price that's lower before inflation kicks in. And every year there's inflation in the NFL and the, and the contracts go up and the cap goes up and they kind of get these, you know, amounts of money and push it forward. And it's an interest-free loan pre-inflation. Now, again, that's caught up to them. The caps dropped instead of going up to, you know, what probably would have been about 200 million this year. It's going to be around 180 to 185. And they're well over the cap right now because, you know, that's just how they do things. And, and they normally will push things ahead. And they're going to be able to push a lot of that ahead. And I think that they can create, you know, about 10 to $20 million in space. But it is going to hurt a little bit. And they're going to lose some guys. And, you know, I think right away you start looking at, like, Nick Easton, um, Malcolm Brown is someone that might be a casualty. Um, Quan Alexander might get cut. He definitely can't come back at the $14 million that he's going to cost because of, uh, you know, injury. Achilles is one thing, but even before the injury, that, that was way too rich. Um, you know, I think someone like Emmanuel Sanders, who you can save $6 million, is someone you look at hard. I'm not sure he gets cut, you know, but he's someone that you got to look at hard. There's going to be a few other people, and it's going to hurt a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be this – you know, it, the way it's kind of been painted in the media outside of Louisiana. And again, these are people that aren't studying the way the Saints manage the cap. And, and when they go through their scenarios, they aren't doing the things the Saints do to create space with, you know, voidable years. And they do all kinds of stuff that, that would get you audited by the IRS in a second if the IRS was managing or watching the cap. But look, they, they do these things and, and people aren't aware of them. But you know, the, the picture that's been painted outside of Louisiana is that the Saints are, you know, going to take 10 shots and just be in the middle of the street bleeding out and everybody's wa- watching the end of the Saints. No, it's not going to be that. They can keep 
a lot of their team together, all of the core pieces, if they choose to, they could choose to go a different direction and, and reset, which I don't think they're going to do. But if they choose to keep the core together, they can. But there are going to be some recognizable names, I think, that you know end up off the roster. They're replaceable players. But it is going to sting a little bit. I don't think it's going to be this you know full-on end of an era, the, the money's caught up to them, it's over. I, I don't think it's quite that bad. Nick Underhill, our guest, uh, covering the Saints. So wh- who is a guy that, like you said, not going to be as bad as maybe some think, but there could be some players that in a different year they might be able to bring back. Is there somebody in your mind, and I, I think you probably have the same name on your mind than me, that might might just be outpriced for the Saints, even though just just based on all of the various needs on the roster, not just a player himself, but but everything that goes into it. Was uh, Trey Hendrickson the guy you were thinking of? Of course, and we talk about him every time we chat, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's probably too expensive. And, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing that, that you can't afford to pay him. I think he's going to get paid well. And look, maybe he goes out, tests the market, comes back, and it, it ends up being the Saints. But if it's like a huge mega deal, like if he's paid like, a guy that got 13 and a half sacks, I don't think I'd want to pay him at that price. Cause look, you, you start going through it, and the amount of double teams he drew relative to other people were, were really, really low. And a lot of his sacks, and I'm not taking anything away from his performance, I, I just think it's a little bit inflated, uh, you know, just a touch. Maybe it was like a legitimate seven, eight-sack season and an opportunity kind of pushing him up a little bit. But if I'm paying somebody top-of-the-market pass rusher money, I want him to draw so much attention and be able to beat it that, you know, A, he's getting his sacks and the attention is creating opportunities for the underpaid players, the cheaper players that are on the field with them, getting them one-on-ones. And that amount of money you're paying him is paying to make these other players better. And I'm not sure that that trade draws that attention, A, and I'm not sure he beats that attention enough to to justify that high-end amount of money. So I think that's where the the quandary would come into play. But look, I, I do think that, you know, if he goes out and he finds out he, he's not worth, you know, this mega contract, I, I think it's worth bringing him back at the right price. And because of the way the cap is this year, I don't necessarily know that, that you can afford to have him back at uh, any price. So, yeah, I mean, those are the things that, that I think are going to hurt them a little bit with, with the money, whereas in other years they could find a way. Maybe they still do find a way, but I think it's a lot more difficult. And, you know, the thing you got to look at is if you're – doing all this stuff in 21 and you're pushing money forward and the cap doesn't go up in 22, that's where the real problem comes into play. Because at a certain point, you know, I think there's still room to push a lot now. If it doesn't get back to normal, if, you know, the vaccines and everything else doesn't get people in the stands and the stadiums aren't filled up, you know, quite a bit more than they were this season. I think the true blood bath is is waiting in 22. So those are, uh, those are decisions they got to make now and be more mindful of the future than they probably have been uh, in the past when when put these contracts together. Nick Underhill, our guest, I read your piece a week before last on the roster audit, uh, which was a great read, very educational too, and um, kind of just breaking down each position and what it looks like <clears throat> heading into this off season and some decisions that might have to be made. Before I ask you a few more cap related questions, how much of a role did Perhaps a, a, a guy on the Saints, um, a, 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 an individual in the Saints front office play, like Mickey Loomis is the name we hear, right? But there are other individuals back there. I remember reading about someone maybe Terry Fontenot had wanted to bring with him. Did the Saints lose anybody, Nick, that has been an integral part of them 
kind of crunching those numbers and, and working the cap the way that they have? No, the cap stuff, uh, they, they've been fortunate that, that they really haven't lost anyone that, that you know, does anything there. Uh, Terry Fontenot's really good at his job. But, yeah, I mean, he wasn't involved in the cap. He was kind of the pro scouting. He's got to, you know, telling them to go get Demario Davis or finding Willie Sneed. You know, th- those are the things he does. So they're going to they're gonna miss him for sure. But as far as managing the cap, um, really the guy that does that is, is Kai Harley. And he's come up with things that, you know, people in the league just weren't doing before. Like he's created things and in, in contracts. And I'm surprised to this point that he's remained so undercover. And I think it's just because, you know, it's not a name that, that you hear a lot. Um, you know, he plays the background. He's not out doing interviews. Nobody really hears his name. It, it's starting to get out there a little bit more and more because, you know, every year it's the same story. All oh, the Saints are screwed on the cap and then they aren't. And they just do whatever they want. And that's Kai. And, you know, one of the things he did that I thought – was probably maybe his, his, you know, it's his Mona Lisa, it's his stroke of brilliance, is that never before, like, in, in a contract, did a team use performance de-escalators. So they were signing, you know, players, at, 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 you know, name players, big contracts, and there's always performance escalators. You know, you make the Pro Bowl, you get paid. They started doing things like where guys were like, you know, they wanted the money, and they're like, okay, you want this money, but you got to perform to get it. They put de-escalators in their contracts. So, like, players were losing money for not getting – certain marks or, or making the Pro Bowl or, or whatever, because look, I mean, they want the money, they bet on it. You got to do it. And that's what Kai did. And, you know, there's just different things that he's done and put in the contract that he's kind of, you know, very quietly been one of the guys that that's changed the way things are done. And, and they used to get a lot of criticism for this stuff. Like they kind of, you know, avoidable years, that, that's kind of one of their main things. And, you know, if you if you're studying the salary cap, like this is how it works. Like, you sign a, a contract, you get a signing bonus. If it's $21 million, your signing bonus, and it's a three-year contract, it prorates over that. So in each year, you would put $7 million on the books. The player gets a $21 million right away, but it splits up, $7 million each year. So what they would do is they'd sign a player to, you know, a legitimate three-year contract, but call it a five-year contract. And then when the league year starts after the third year, it would void. So, you know, I'm going to use easier numbers here because I can't divide 21 by five, but you know, if you do 20 by over five years on paper, it'd be 4 million, 4 million, you know, each year. And then when it voids at the end, the last 8 million would come up and you'd you'd have to pay that and it'd be dead money. But like they brought this back in a big way and it's become a thing that they put into, you know, a considerable amount of contracts. And there was a ton of criticism about it, about how reckless they were. And now you look in like everybody in the league's doing it. So their influence in cap management has been huge and Kai's been behind that and they're fortunate that they're still able to keep him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that, you know, when Perry left, if they kind of were like, Hey man, like usually they let somebody take someone with them. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, just given that it's the Falcons, they brought Terry up. Terry probably still has a lot of loyalty to the Saints and gratefulness. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they told him like, look, you can go, but you aren't taking anybody with you. And, and Terry probably agreed to that. ESPN1420.com. Good stuff from Nick Underhill, our guest. Check out NewOrleans.football to read his content. Uh, I recommend subscribing. Good stuff. And just because it's the offseason officially doesn't mean that uh, Nick's done working because he is churning out lots of content, lots of good stuff, including one uh, earlier this week, back on Monday, lessons learned from the Super Bowl and how they pertain to the Saints Let's just start with, I think, the big one and the one that's going to be the number one topic in the offseason and probably the number one topic among Saints fans for a while. 
and that's quarterback. Uh, I know Drew Brees hasn't made an announcement yet, but as you and I and others have pointed out, him reworking that contract just kind of leans more toward him retiring. I think we're all expecting it. So breaking in a new quarterback, what do you think Sean Payton wants to do? And what do you think ultimately he's going to be able to do this offseason at the most important position on the field? Yeah, and with the Bruce thing, look, it's basically either he agreed to play next year for $1 million or he lowered his yeah. his salary <laughs> to the point, you know, so that they don't have to carry it. Because Again, going back to the, the annoying cap stuff, like, you know, if he retires on June 2nd, they can split his payment over two years. It's the, the stuff remaining on the signing bonus. It's just there's a cutoff date there. You retire on June 2nd, and it allows you to split it. So it would be $11 million in one year this year, $11 million next year, dead money on the cap. And then his base salary, you know, was, was $24 million. So what he agreed to do is, is lower it down to $1 million so that they get the cap relief right now, and it allows them to go out rework these contracts, get under the cap, sign free agents, do whatever they got to do. And then on June 2nd, they file the, the retirement stuff and, you know, that, that money comes off. But if they had waited, you have to carry it the whole time and you don't get that relief. So to me, looking at it, it looks like Drew did the team a favor. He didn't really give anything back because he was never getting that money. But on paper, he lowered it so that they get that relief. Um, so as far as what they want to do at quarterback, you know, it, it seems to me that, everything's pointing towards Jameis Winston. And I, you know, it's not just, you know, what they want to do. Like, I think that's what they want to do and what they can do. And I think both those things align. They, they seem to be extremely smitten with the stuff he was able to do. And, you know, Peyton was on the media tour last week for, for the Super Bowl, And it was funny, like you listen to his interviews and the ones he's like starting out doing, it's very complimentary of Jameis. And like by the end of them, you know, he was almost talking reckless about him and just about, you know, how, how, he was blowing him away in practice with 50 yard throws and the arm stuff and his ability to do things that, that other people can't do. And, you know, it, it seems like they really want him back. Um, they really seem to like him. And, you know, I'll be curious just to see if it is him, how it works out. You know, the, the thing last year with Taysom, I, like I understand why they were so into him. And when you watched him play, when everything was perfect and, and he didn't have to do a whole lot and he was just able to sit back and manage the offense and, you know, the players are getting open and the, the pass protection's holding up. He threw from the pocket extremely well. And, and, you know, I thought it was when things got dirty, things started to fall apart for him. But in a practice setting, I think you're watching Taysom and it's a very sterile environment and he's doing all those things from the pocket and he's not having to evade a rush or, you know, run through contact or anything like that. And I think that's how you, you, you know, become to the belief that he could be the guy. And then when you got out into the games and things fell apart for him, things got a little bit dirty. So it, it'll be interesting to see like what they've seen from, from Jameis in practice and then in the game when things get more complicated and they fall apart, like if those same traits are, are showing up. But look, if if he can go out there and he can manage the offense and he cuts down those interceptions, there's no doubt like in, in his physical ability. It's just the processing, seeing the field, all that stuff. you know. And those are the things that I don't think we can find out until he's in a game. But if he isn't throwing 30 picks – and they do manage to keep this team together, you know, I still think that they can be extremely competitive with him. I, you know, if it was Taysom as the quarterback, I, I would feel the same way. And I, I don't I don't think Taysom's a long-term answer. But for a year, if you keep this team around them, you know, I think they could probably, you know, have a winning record. So, you know, we're going to see how it plays out. It, it's hard to answer any of it. Um, you know, 
but it seems like their belief in Jameis is, is extremely high. Um, we'll see how that shows up with, with the money and the actual commitment and all that stuff. But, you know, typically Sean uh, will tell you what he's thinking heading into the offseason. And I know last year when he was talking about Taysom and, and him being, you know, the guy they wanted and all that, everybody's thinking it's a smoke screen and then, you know, they, they pay him and keep him. I, I think it's the same thing with Jameis. Like, Sean doesn't typically lie about his intentions, especially when discussing specific players. So, I mean, I'm taking him at his word that he really believes this is the guy. And, I, you know, we're going to find out if they can fix, you know, all the stuff that was wrong with him in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I think I think when it comes to Peyton and, and covering him over the years, Nick, especially when it's in the national media, everything he says yeah. is very calculated, everything. Because he knows essentially what he's going to be asked about. I mean, he's smart enough to know that. He knows the questions. He knows where it's going to go. And he basically has a game plan and something he wants to get out there. Now, I, I guess with you guys locally, at times he might be um, more muzzled or, you know, always laugh at, at <laughs> something he told Cat Terrell a few years ago when they brought Antonio Brown in briefly. And they didn't sign him, but Cat said, I think she asked him, you told us before the season you guys had no interest in signing Antonio Brown. Uh, has something changed? And he looked at her and said, well, no, I was just not being honest with you. I mean, he, just, he just said it like point blank. And I was like, that is one of the most honest things he said. But I'm with you in regards to he'll tell you what he's thinking, but I think there's there's a reasoning behind that. It's calculated with the national media, the Super Bowl tour. So he's putting it out there, man. He wants Jameis back. And um question is, will another team just say, you know what, we want him more and, and we're going to pay him this much and the Saints end up just having to cut bait. But if it is Jameis and – I wouldn't bet money on it, but if I had to, that's who I would say is likely starting next year, week one. I would expect Saints-Bucks Thursday night football to open up the season. I would go ahead and book that. Um, defending champs, hosting a game, and then the starting quarterback on the other team is their former quarterback. That just feels like the Saints are going to be in the opener, no? Well, I mean, you know the league's going to make them watch them raise the banner, too. So that wouldn't... Oh, God, <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> and, and you do make an interesting point. Like, I, I do think it is calculated. And, you know, the, the calculation there probably is that Jameis is a player that was kind of discarded by his team. There's really not been a lot of belief on them. And I think that just bolstering him up is, is part of the recruitment. And if you make Jameis feel wanted and there's two offers out there, you know, maybe that, that swings things your way, too. So, yeah, I mean, I... There's a reason Sean does everything, um, and you know, if I had to guess, I would think that would probably be part of the equation there, too. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show. We're visiting with Nick Underhill. Give him a follow on Twitter if you're not already, at Nick underscore Underhill. Check out at no.football. You can follow that account on Twitter as well. That is back to his website, neworleans.football, where is uh, the home to all of his content that you're not going to get anywhere else quick break we'll be right back don't go anywhere welcome back into the great scott show the great sports callers open think tank i'm scott prather and still on the line with us from new orleans is nick underhill of new orleans.football the saints offseason is uh, is here and we've been breaking it down nick done a good job of explaining a lot of different stuff in regards to the cap i did i did uh, i didn't want to forget i wanted to ask you about a guy that that I know Nick, I did a charity event with him years ago, and, um, you know, it's it's somebody that I respect him as a person and a father. But Thomas Morstead, um, in terms of his health, what happened last season, and you wrote about this, his contract, 
He fully intends to be backed. Saints did keep a punter, uh, you know, they gave him the uh, what fans like to call uh, the old Sean Payton uh, red shirt or injury red shirt, however you want to word it. Is is Morstead back next season in your mind? Is this a sure thing? I, you know, we go back to the cop stuff, and I don't think anything's a sure thing for anybody just because of the, the economics behind it. And he is one of the highest paid punters in the league, if not the highest paid punter in the league. And, you know, Frankly, he admits that he didn't live up to that standard last year. He, he was hurt. He had a back injury, um, same back injury he had in, in 2014 and 2018, I believe. And he got through those and got better. So he believes that, that he knows exactly what he needs to do to get back to where he needs to be. And I think that's you know encouraging for him on, on that level. And then also his eyes went and had a huge issue for him. And, and he had trouble seeing up close. You know, he, he, Down the field, he could see up close. He couldn't. And, you know, he didn't go into – he didn't want to discuss the specifics with me of, like, how that affected him. But, you know, I, I can recall three kicks this year where he had the laces in, and I'm, I'm wondering that, you know, if up close he just couldn't see, like, how he was spotting the ball. And, well, that's missed on three of his misses if the ball wasn't spotted right. So he's going to get LASIK surgery. That's going to get fixed. You know, obviously dropping the ball, you might not be able to your, – your eye-foot coordination might be affected by that. So – it seems like there, there's reasons beyond age. You know, I think as we were all watching, it's like, wow, he, he really got old. And, and this guy's, you know, in his mid-30s at this point. Like, does he still have it physically? But I think beyond that, that there are reasons. There's an injury that, that held him back. He's, he's gotten over it. And then the eyes, I think if all those things come together, you, you probably see Morstead get back to that level that, that he's at. But, yeah, with the economics, look, I mean, that, that's, that's going to make it difficult. And they brought this guy in. They kept him around for a reason. And, you know, these, these are – these are going to be the tough decisions and, and he's so reliable. And I, you know, I think it's, it's weird to say this about a punter, but I think that his influence on the team is high And in, you know, he's kind of one of those iconic people. He's a leader of the team. Um, so the, there's value there, but yeah, I mean, if you're asking me to, to like predict or guarantee anything, I, I, you know, I definitely, I don't think I can do that right now, but I don't think I can do that for a lot of players right now. And, you know, it's not, just him, like, you know, could I guarantee that Marshawn Lattimore is going to get an extension? Um, no, I can't. I mean, it's just – that's just the way it is right now with the way this cop is. But he's definitely someone that I think you, you put in that that maybe margin where you wouldn't be shocked if it goes either way. If he is back next year, he'll be the longest tenured player on the team. Um, and, you know, he does seem like a, a, a Saint lifer. Like I don't think that I don't, I don't know I don't think any player should have to quote give back money or anything like that ever, but there are situations where a team approaches a player and say we want to rework the contract and a lot of t- a lot of times a fan will just read player restructures contract and think that it 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 changes the money that's going into their pocket it doesn't, but there are situations Nick where team might approach a player and say we want to keep you but you know we're gonna have to change your contract pay cut whatever it might be. I just don't – Thomas doesn't strike me as a guy that's like, yeah, I'm going to leave my wife, Laura, and all these kids, and we're going to move somewhere else. Like, he's such a – he's so ingrained in the community there, and, and you kind of referenced it. I mean, as far as the locker room, he's been voted a team captain at times in the past. He just seems like a guy that definitely doesn't want to go out like last season, but also probably doesn't want to play for another team. Now, money talks, and if it's a huge difference, you know, maybe that happens, but – he just seems like a guy that I would it would it would look weird seeing him in a different uniform, and I think he would probably admit the same thing. 
Yeah, when I talk to him, he seems determined to, you know, make sure that, that he gets right and he proves that he does, you know, deserves everything. Um, look, I mean, I think he's going to be someone that, that lives here, you know, his whole life and, and he's going to raise his kids in New Orleans and all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I think if it ever got to it, the decision to, to leave and go somewhere else, I think that there's probably a lot of considerations beyond football. I can't speak for what he would actually do, but I'm with you. I think it would be very surprising um, to see him play for another team just because I don't know. It's it, again, it's a punter. It's so weird to talk about it like this, but like he's such an iconic part of like Saints history, ambush, all that stuff. Um, and that shouldn't matter 11 years later, as far as building your roster or whatever, but it's just to say, you know, he just, again, yeah, he feels like a Saints lifer and to see him play somewhere else would be extremely shocking. But again, they kept Blake Gillikin around for a reason. He has ties to, mm-hmm. to Penn State. The special teams coach is from there. You know, there's just – the other guy was here for a reason. And, and, you know, I think Thomas is probably – he battled last year. I don't know if, if there was, you know, a true a true battle. But Gillikin played so well. His hang time was crazy. Um, they kept him around for the year. I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out. Nick Underhill, our guest, ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com, New Orleans dot football. Check it out, Nick. Um, from uh, you know cap questions and other things, I did want to get your perspective on something else uh, during Super Bowl weekend. I guess it was Saturday evening when news came out. Um, Ian Rappaport, uh, some others that you know get fed some things from the NFL. Report comes out that. Sean Payton and the Saints uh, might get, you know, penalized again by the league because of more, um, I guess, revelations that perhaps they broke more COVID-19 protocols when they had someone in the building that was not a team employee. Uh, Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast reported that's Mike Ornstein, which is made me kind of roll my eyes. And for folks that don't know, just Google Mike Ornstein. I'm, I don't have time to get into all of it. I just I, I don't know that I have one specific question for you. I just wanted your thoughts on the entire situation as far as how you think this thing is going to play out because I know some Saints fans right now are saying, man, we don't have any picks in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. We're going to get some compensatory picks, but are they going to take away more picks or what is going to happen? Like, they're, uh, Saints fans were nervous when that came out on Saturday. Well, look, I, I wouldn't be surprised by anything that happens just because the league seems intent on uh, you know, holding the Saints to the letter of the law. And if you break the rules, I, I think you do deserve to be to be punished. So that I'm like what I'm about to say isn't saying or exonerating them from breaking the rules or anything like that. I just also find it curious that, you know, there's the TikTok videos of the Steelers dancing in the locker room without masks and the league doesn't do anything to them yet. You know, they, but they have this other punishment on the Saints. Like they, they, they had notified the Steelers that, you know, that wasn't allowed and then just, Nothing really happened, but when the Saints dance in the locker room, they, they lose a pick. So, first, I, I would just like to see the league be consistent with what they're doing. I, you know, I don't think anybody should be let go, and I think that, you know, holding everybody to the stuff and, and punishing teams and that, I think that was key in getting through the entire season because you got 90 to 100 people, you know, counting practice squad, team employees, all that stuff in every city, and people – following the rules is the reason why we were able to just watch a Super Bowl without games being canceled. And, you know, obviously there were some crazy things that happened with the Broncos playing without a quarterback and all that stuff. But for the most part, it was a pretty, 
I don't know. I don't want to say smooth, but they, they got through it without too many issues. And, you know, that's why. But I think that anybody that's on video doing something like the Saints were, when they got punished for that, they should be, they should be punished for it. Um, you know, I, the, the thing that I come to on this is that, like, if they know they're being punished really hard, like, they, they you know, there's no excuses for, for what happened. Like, it shouldn't have happened. And, you know, whatever happens now – you know, it's the third, it's the third time. So you, you can't, you can't let them off the hook or anything. It's like, it shouldn't have happened and, and they shouldn't have, they shouldn't have had a non-team employee in the locker room. Um, there's just really nothing to say beyond that. Like, it's just, I, I think they're going to get hit and, and, you know, they broke the rules. It is what it is. Just make sure you're punishing everybody else. Just don't take all these pics from one team. Make sure you're taking pics from everybody yeah. that's posting videos on social media and, and just make sure it's fair. That's all. Like, if it's fair to punish the Saints for breaking the rules, it should be fair to punish the Broncos for having dance videos, the Steelers for having dance videos. Um, you know, there's three or four teams that, that are out there like that. And, and it's just it just needs to be the same across the board for everybody. Yeah, I think I think you have the right approach, Nick. It's like, it's, you, you know, I mean, social media is not always reality, but there's this idea on social media that these two things can't be the same. You can't be critical of the saints and the league they have to be exclusive of one another and you have to pick a side no i mean the saints what do you why is that guy in the building first of all um and why aren't you following all the protocols and you can also be critical of the nfl saying why aren't you consistently punishing everyone the same you know why is this perception uh sometimes feel like reality that you know you're more harsh on this team than others and i think you can be critical of both i mean i i think well, i think that's fine i think that's normal the, the- the thing that's kind of outrageous to me, though, is then, like, you know, there's all this stuff, all these protocols, everything's going on, and then the Super Bowl ends and Roger Goodell's on the stage without a mask. And, look, I don't – whatever. Everybody can make their own choices on that. You know, I have my own personal beliefs. That's not what this is about. What it's about is you have these protocols and you're finding and taking pictures from people for not wearing a mask, and then you're on a stage next to players and lead personnel and all these people not wearing a mask. Like, it's just the optics of it are – extremely inconsistent and i think that same attitude is kind of the thing that you see trickling down from the league office and and how this stuff is applied and it just needs to be like if the players can't be in the locker room next to each other without a mask on then the commissioner damn well better have a mask on himself when he's next to players it doesn't matter that the games are over like their safety as humans should be the thing that matters because that's what you preached all year so just make sure you're doing it too like it's just the lack of consistency is the thing that I think is, is extremely maddening about like the whole way that, that you know the whole situation has played out. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Maybe the compensatory picks are uh, taken away or something. There's always the jokes about how the Saints never get any. Well, now they're in line to get two, but uh, wouldn't it be in a, in a weird way? Apropos, not that it's good for Saints fans if the league were like, oh, in second thought, we're just knocking because you did this at this point. Like you said, nothing would surprise you. I kind of fall in that same boat there, ESPN1420.com. All right, Nick, before we let you run, and we always appreciate you taking the time to come on the show, man, and um, maybe we can have you on one more time in the offseason, perhaps after the draft. But looking at this offseason, what in your mind, other than quarterback, is the biggest storyline for the Saints? Well, pushing the, the cap aside, too, you know, I think as far as just is positionally what they need to do. Um, you know, I think Quan Alexander, I'm going to give you a couple things. I think Quan Alexander highlighted the, the high level need or at least high level want of, of having 
two rangy linebackers. I think it's essential in the NFL. Um, you know, in Tampa Bay kind of showed it again in the Super Bowl, and they aren't showing the Saints anything because, again, they were on it. They already had the two guys. They lost one to injury. But, you know, with Devin White and Levante David, I think we're huge different difference makers in that game. And just the way the league's evolving, I, I think you need two guys at that position that have safety-like range. So um, I think they need to find another one of those. And then, you know, for me, the biggest decision of the offseason is, is what to do with Marcus Williams. And this is going to be kind of maybe a, a – controversial thing to say against conventional wisdom, but I'm of the belief that, you know, it's almost to the point where I think coverage is as important, if not more important than edge rush. Now I'm not talking interior rush. I think interior rush is the most valuable thing in, in the NFL. And there aren't too many true, you know, game changers at, at the interior, but with the quick passing game, the amount of play action, um, you know, just, teams passing on first down now, you know, it's no longer passing situations. Everything is a passing situation. And I think you can scheme away from somebody that has pass rush and you can beat it by, again, play action, getting rid of the ball quickly, all that stuff. But if you can't cover, you can't cover and you can't hide that. And it's, it's out there. And if a team covers well, you just have to beat the coverage. Like you can double team a good pass rusher. You can't get your guy off of a good cornerback that's shadowing or, you know, a safety that can take away the deep area of the field. So, I, you know, with the big arm quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, you know, Aaron Rodgers, everybody can, can throw the ball deep now and they can extend plays and you have to cover longer than ever or they're getting rid of, rid of it quickly and your coverage shows up more than your pass rush. So I think that, you know, keeping Marcus Williams is, is something that I would put very high on my list of things. And, you know, I know people don't always value safety play because it's not the first thing you see on the broadcast. Half the time you aren't seeing him unless, you know, he's making a play or getting beat. They aren't showing you how he took away Tyreek Hill on, you know, 14 plays down the field. They're just showing you the, the front and, you know, you don't see Marcus Williams. And if you don't see Marcus Williams, it's easy to forget about him. But in those moments where you're forgetting about him, he's changing the game and doing his job. And, you know, this year I thought he added the best season uh, of his career. And if it's not him, I think finding another safety is is – hugely hugely important I, I don't think that you can let that go away I think having guys like him and good coverage are the reason why Trey Hendrickson was able to get 13 and a half sacks so I think that for me is probably the biggest thing that they need to do is just keep that coverage together I think it starts with him and if it's not him it's got to be somebody else great stuff Nick Underhill has been our guest at Nick underscore Underhill on Twitter he covers the Saints at NewOrleans.football, at Inno.football. You can follow the account on Twitter as well. Uh, Nick, before we let you run, man, for anybody listening that's on the fence, not sure whether or not they want to subscribe to NewOrleans.football, why would you tell them that if they're a Saints fan, they absolutely should? Uh, well, look, I mean, I think I, I try to do stuff that other people don't do. Um, you know, it's a lot of thought-out stuff, analysis, it might be an exploration into what you just heard about, you know, why coverage is becoming, you know, equally as valuable as, as pass rush, how the league's changing, keeping up with trends, um, breaking down the cap, all that stuff. It's just, if you're into the really, really fine details, you care about why things happen. I'm going to do my best to try to explain that stuff and, you know, put as much work as I possibly can to, you know, teach people what I'm learning. What I like to say, what I like to tell folks, Nick, I have a few friends that asked me about it. Um, uh, there's a friend of mine. He's actually a uh, – we grew up. He's a huge Saints fan, one of my best friends. He's a, 
he's actually a missionary. So he does a lot of mission work. He works for a, a company that, not a company, but a, a, well, a mission company, I guess. But he's like, man, Nick Hunter, he's like, I mean, I'm thinking about doing it. And I'm like, it's like somebody that's like really into, like if somebody's really, really into Game of Thrones, they're not just going to watch Game of Thrones, right? They're probably going to go read articles about it. They're going to read about the casting. They're going to try to see what's happening, you know, at whenever the show is still on, you know, who's going to be in the next season, all that other stuff. So, you know, it's kind of like that, but for Saints fans, right? It's not just kind of watching the games and the, and the other stuff that you can get anywhere. It's kind of getting behind-the-scenes stuff that if you're, if you're that big of a fan, you know, why wouldn't you want to be educated on the team? So I don't know if that analogy works in your mind, but that's at least what I told him. No, that's much better than what I just said, so thank you. I'm going to use that. <laughs> Nick Underhill has been our guest. Man, I appreciate it. Um, we'll, uh, we'll keep reading your stuff, and uh, maybe we could chat with you again sometime after the draft if you're up for it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, good stuff. Nick Underhill has been our guest here on The Great Scott Show.